walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. Welcome to the Apron Bump, everybody. How's everybody doing out there? How's your how's your day going? Evening, morning, what have you? You uh, you staying with your New Year's resolutions, folks? Come on. Well, yeah, losing weight. Yeah, you 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 eating better. You exercising. You you you're reading before bed. You're you're uh, trying uh, not to lather yourself and lotion and slide around the floor like a slug every tuesday we all have different resolutions is what i'm saying uh some of us may be hitting them and some may not be but the point is well i suppose there is none but we're here today to talk about some progress wrestling chapter 24 up north progress chapter 24 uh typically they reside in london but they are traveling for this show to Manchester, their debut in Manchester. Um, but some new faces. We got a uh, natural progression series match on this show. A lot of NXT UK alumni, of course. But you also got guys that were that are still very prevalent today, namely Tommaso Ciampa. Also got old William Ospreay in the main event, defending his progress title in a triple threat match. We got Bubblegums here. Who else? A, lot, a, a, a wide cast of characters. The origin, of course. Lots to talk about. And hey, if you're jumping in, you're like, Kyle, God damn it, you're handsome. You have uh, lovely, lovely manicured fingernails. Your tongue is perfectly proportioned to your head and your, your belly button is uh, clean as a whistle. But your progress episodes, like... I don't give a single turkey about progress wrestling. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're full of shit. And you can go to apronbump.com. You can go to the episodes tab at the top and you can select any promotion, any era that you'd like to listen to me recap. WWE, WCW, TNA, Ring of Honor. But hey, let me tell you something. I'm not a progress wrestling expert. I'm going through this journey as I am recapping these shows. I have not seen anything beyond this. Don't know really much of what happens after this. I am figuring things out as I go along. So if you want to come along on that journey with me, 
go to apronbump.com. You can select Progress Wrestling, and you can start right from the beginning, chapter one, all the way up until now, chapter 24. It's been a good ride. Lots of, uh, some of my, my most fun episodes have been Progress Wrestling related, and this one is no different. Bringing back my go-to prog, pro, pro, hold on. He's a pro at Gress. I thought I had something there. I, I didn't. Uh, he's my go-to progress wrestling guy. Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. You can find Wrestling Should Be Fun on Twitter at WSB Fun. Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun. All their socials in the description below. One of the best followers on social media. As their name states, Wrestling Should Be Fun. So they're generally very positive, but also hilarious guys. I've had Ross and Dom and a couple other guys on my podcast in the past. A great group of guys with an awesome podcast. They cover they cover the current product, of course, the major bullet points that are happening in wrestling, but they also you know, touch on some old school stuff. They'll do like variety type stuff, like the Booker Bingo, which you might have heard me do in my um couple episodes ago, the hard questions. Ross submitted a question for me to do a Booker Bingo of a feud pitting Balls Mahoney against Santa Claus. So that's where that is sourced from, my guest on this episode. So wrestling should be fun. Their podcast, they do all sorts of things like that. They have a good time there. And uh, you'll have a good time if you listen. So go do that. But I think you'll also have a good time if you keep listening to this. Apron bump on all... Let me, pl- let me plug my asshole here. Apron bump on all the socials. I think that's about it, right? I already plugged the website, the gimmick. Uh, my my fleshlight mold. I think I've plugged all that stuff right. That's all in the, in the description below as well. But why dilly daddle anymore? Let's get to it. Progress chapter twenty four with myself and Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Are you excited for um, London getting WWE shit now? Yeah, dude. You you guys over there are always the best crowds. Maybe it's because you don't get that much and you have to <laughs> enjoy it yep. when it comes. But, uh, I mean, Clash was amazing. I mean, all these progress shows and stuff are always hype as hell. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I don't know if you watched Dynamite this week, but, like, proofs in the pudding in terms of, like, crowds that don't get that kind of stuff all the time. How excited were they for AEW? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the crowd can make a prick a show. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's only gonna enhance it for I mean even I'm I'm even stateside. I'm gonna enjoy it a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> um I don't know if it'll be uh I don't know if there'll be any like rent boy chance at money in the bank, but uh we'll see. We'll see. Who who knows? Maybe Austin Theory <laughs> will get a few. I don't know. Um Yeah, dude. So progress chapter twenty four. Uh what was it titled? Uh, up up north. Going north. They went to Manchester, is basically what the yeah. It alluded to. Uh, what do you think of the show overall? Really enjoyed it. Um, I must admit, um, it's a show that I haven't watched back for a long, long time, mm-hmm. um, and it's one that I wasn't at live. Probably one of the very the the first in a while that that we've been covering together that I wasn't at live, so I couldn't give you any mm-hmm. kind of live takes in this one. But yeah, I was kind of like watching it back being like oh I wonder what the crowd's going to be like because it's the first time that they headed up north 
and Jim Smallman was like really uh, kind of wowed by the fact that it seemed like 50-50 in terms of people that were traveling from London and then people that came for the first time, judging yeah. on responses from what he asked for. And yeah, it seemed like it was just as rowdy as as London. Some of the chants were just as cancel heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, even it's like we're almost in 2016 and it's still like a different world, it seems like sometimes. Yeah, massively so. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of the wrestling itself, loved it. I don't think there was anything on this show that wouldn't hold up to the current product at all. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of it is um, far superior. And that's nothing against the current um, crop of wrestlers. It's just that this particular crop of wrestlers that came out of Britain at this time and some of the people that we were getting coming across the pond was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, like running down this card, I mean, there's a lot. There was a couple guys that were on the Wrestle Kingdom show this this past week or yeah. a couple days ago, whatever it was, and some guys that are in WWE now and AEW or you know NXT UK. It's it's an amazing crop of wrestlers, like you said. And I don't know if people realized it at the time, but this is a awesome time for wrestling in in Europe, and I yeah, guess just in general. Uh, like I, I say it every time that I come on this show with you, Carl, and like just being part of that scene at the time felt special and mm -hmm. it's a real shame that kind of people look at Brit rest as a bit of a kind of um stick to beat with sometimes because at at one point in time it felt real special and yeah we've still got it to watch yeah. back and that's the beauty of it right <laughs> you, you, you still go to like progress shows and stuff right yeah yeah we're actually um kind of um through the new owners, um, when they took over, they did this really nice thing where they basically rang everyone that had a season ticket mm -hmm. and was like, we're the new owners. We want to have feedback. We want to have kind of like back and forth with our fans and make sure that everything goes better than right. the previous kind of um, stuff ended with the previous management. And since then, um, there's been kind of constant communication between... Us at Wrestling Should Be Fun and progress to the point where some people think that we're on the payroll, which is absolutely <laughs> not the case. Yeah. <laughs> still pay for tickets, still still come to fans as shows, but we also do little tie-ins with progress from time to time. Um, in November, we we uh, we held a beer pong right. competition previous to one of the shows where management came, um, a few of the wrestlers came. That's and awesome. previous to that, we um, there's a joke all the time that people show up far too early for the ballroom shows in Camden. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of queue outside in the wind and the rain in London for two, three hours when they absolutely don't need to. Right. <laughs> um, but people still do it. Um, so we kind of um, created a quiz that we would do for the fans waiting. Um, mm -hmm. and, then we, and then they had the opportunity to win some uh, progress merch through answering our questions, which were always pretty silly. Right. And Dom was in charge of that, obviously, because Dom is the man. Some may say, some may say. <laughs> That's great to hear, man. I mean, it's only a matter of time before you guys are like a, uh, a faction of sorts in progress. Maybe yeah. the Origin 2.0? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Ligero? Well, who knows? Uh, oh, hopefully, hopefully none of you. Hopefully none of you, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. M massive, massive progress fans. And it was a joy um, going back in time to watch mm -hmm. Chapter 24. I have to, I have to say that. Lots of positive things to talk about, which is great. 
for sure. Yeah. How do you think? Because like you said, there were it seemed like a lot of the usual ballroom crowd was there. So I guess in reality, it wasn't too different of a uh, of an audience. But how do you think this crowd in Manchester stacked up to the normal uh, London crowd? Yeah, as I said at the start, I think it like it massively um, held up. Mm-hmm. The the one slight difference I think is that the ball that is that the ballroom I think looks a bit nicer than yeah. the Manchester venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had a few issues with the lighting, in particular compared to the ballroom. Um, right. But the camera guys still um, and girls um, still managed to do some some amazing shots. Like there was that shot of Champa, which was great where like the camera work was over his shoulder and he was on his mm-hmm. knees and kind of thanking the crowd and stuff. Oh yeah. Like small little um, shots like that that were still really quite cinematic, but um, the overall lighting and production wasn't quite up to, to the standard of the London show. And maybe that's just because they, by that point in time, they were kind of like 10 chapters in. I'm sure they've got a bit more of the, the layout of that venue. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is their first time in that venue. Um, but, but, but like the crowd itself it's quite funny because you can spot people that still go to the shows now, people yeah. that have stopped going to the shows because of what happened with WWE bringing it, bringing in and speak, speaking out movement that have moved on to pastors new in other companies. So yeah, um, yeah, I think the crowd itself uh, loved the show just as much as I did watching it back. For sure. And yeah, the uh, the venue, it was cool. Like you said, the lighting was a bit, I don't know, I guess a little dark, but it made it very cinematic and dramatic at times. Yeah. I thought the stage. Yeah, for any AEW cool. fans that are moaning about the way that <laughs> the current product looks with the new production yeah. team, if you want it to look dark and dank, get yourself to 2016 progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or hey, man, go watch some 2012 progress when it's in the garage <laughs> and you have like the laptops literally in frame that are controlling all of this. Oh, man, that was a dark timeline for sure. So in comparison to that, anything's fantastic. But um, yeah. it was almost like a small Hammerstein kind of just from me looking at it because it had like the balcony that kind of wrapped all That's around. Right, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I like that and that and uh, that aspect. But yeah, there was like a po- like there was a point in time where Jim was like, how's everyone doing in the balconies? And then it panned up and it was just darkness. <laughs> <laughs> if you're there, you're the hypothetical people that are up there. Yeah, man. Well, we get into these matches here with uh, with your boy, Ross. Bubblegum is here facing off against Mark Haskins. Got Bubblegum coming out here in his uh, Man City kit. Huh? Huh? Correct, Carl. Like it. Football. The crowd doesn't. Well, I guess. So Manchester, obviously, Man Man United, Man City. This crowd didn't seem to like Bubblegum. Geographically, like what is the split there? If that makes any sense. Yeah, so Man City and Man United both are um, sports teams from Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, it splits kind of um, half and half in terms of actual locals. Um, but in the wider global sphere, Man-, Man United have a lot more fans than Man right. City. But you probably find um, kind of the real like hardcore Man City fans in Manchester. And the fact that he wore that shirt in that city and still got booed Tells you how good a heel bubble, bubblegum is. That's, but this yeah. is something that yep, the WWE do this a lot, actually, because they don't quite realise, I think, sometimes that sports teams have one or two clubs across one city mm-hmm. and they'll put uh, John Cena or whoever the big name is and they'll try and send him out there in the home home team shirt. Like, for example, sometimes oh, maybe yeah. Liverpool. 
and then they'll send her out in a Liverpool shirt when half that city hate the team Liverpool because they support Everton, who are also because they're also from Liverpool, and mm-hmm. then the baby face goes out there and gets kind of a mixed reaction or booed. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would be a bit like, I guess, like um, if you sent someone out in New York wearing mm-hmm. one of the sports teams and then obviously half of that city are like, fuck that guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yankees, Mets, that kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, but Mark Haskins, no, uh, no jerseys here. Just a shirt, black tights, black boots, all business. And uh, pretty good match. Good, solid opener. You got Bubblegum who... Look, he has the goofy gimmick where he walks around and sticks his fingers in his tights and does the whatever deal. And he's he's just an asshole. Like, he just looks like an asshole. I think I said it last time, but he looks like um, Fred Durst, but douchier somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But damn, pretty damn good wrestler. He's He's got some explosive kicks. He, he does some like detonation kick type stuff. A second row blockbuster. But then, you know, to accompany that, he's a great heel. He does the... <laughs> I wrote down dick fingers because he, he puts his hand in his tights and then he puts his hand in the guy's mouth, which I think he I think Haskins avoided it this time. But so solid, solid opener. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think it was perfect for what it, for what it needed to be. You when you have an opening contest, it's great to make sure that it's heel versus face, in my view. Mm-hmm. Get get someone that's going to cheer and, and get someone that's going to get booed. And you've got two of those perfectly. And you said about how Haskins was in no team colors but he came out very smartly in a progress shirt so there you go yeah <laughs> no yeah, booze yeah. for progress <laughs> at a progress show so absolute face um I, I thought this was perfect because it was quick it was snappy it um i think they mentioned on commentary that um it kind of was wrestled in a hybrid lightweight style kind of that kind of mm-hmm. benoit eddie kind of ecw 94 kind of smaller guys but that are good at the strikes and good at the, the submissions fast and yeah um, perfect for a opening match. They they didn't go too hard. They didn't try and outdo what's going to come later on the card. It mm-hmm. was perfect for an opening match. Loved it. And the heel got his comeuppance, which is what you want in the opening match, in my view. Um, and yeah, Bubblegum yet again proves that he's a great heel. <laughs> and are you won over by him yet, Carl? Or, do you, or are you quite happy to know the fact that I think this is his last show ish oh is it well like it doesn't matter then um but (laughs) (laughs) he didn't because the first time i saw him he was more annoying because he's he kept sticking his hand in his tights every five seconds to a minimum ish didn't he during this he did yeah he did maybe it was uh he didn't put his ball deodorant on or something tonight but yeah um he's fine i guess like he's a good dickhead heel and in today's wrestling world that's kind of hard to come by sometimes so and uh, yep. it's good fodder for Haskins to just kick the shit out of. So, and ultimately, yeah, like you said, he gets his comeuppance. Haskins wins with like a cradle shock, followed into a bridging arm bar. Bubblegum taps out. And uh, I believe Haskins at the next chapter, he's in a number one contenders match for the progress title. So really, this is aiming to build up Haskins because he lost to Osprey a few chapters ago. But he's yeah. coming off of wins against Champa and Paul Robinson. So... Haskins is definitely uh, one of the more dominant guys in progress at this point, which is good to see because he's one of my personal favorites in this era, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like one small note is that um, Champa won with that kind of armbar thing that. Um, yes. That. Um, sorry, that Haskins won with that. And then, and then Champa goes on in the Indies and also in the big leagues mm-hmm. using that move. And every time that he would 
us Brits would always be like, we know where you got that from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never, because the first time I ever saw that move was Champa. I think he used it in early NXT. So yeah. um, I think we saw it a few times. I think even like in the S, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. used it later. And yeah. So I don't know, I mean, it's a nasty one. But uh, after that, we got a quarterfinal match in the Natural Progression Series. We got uh, a debuting Ashton Smith versus Kyle Ashmore. And uh, I believe this is Ashton's hometown, right? Manchester. It is, yeah. It was his debut, right? For Progress, I yes. think. This, um, Unless this he's been match, on like yeah. Endeavor show. I don't watch all the Endeavor shows, but it's definitely his first main Progress show, for sure. Yeah. Um, Ashton had a lot of fire. I mean, he, he definitely... It was, like, it was like a really cool shot of him coming out and his entrance, just the way the stage yeah. and the lighting and the darkness like all came together. Um, and in the match itself, Ashton was definitely, you could tell he had like a lot of emotion, you know, wrestling for progress at this yeah. point. Kyle Ashmore, what are your thoughts on Kyle Ashmore? I'd like to know. So I always enjoyed watching Kyle Ashmore wrestle. And at this point, he didn't really have a character. And that's something that he, he goes on to fix. That was his character. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that theme song, eh? That theme How's song. How's that go again? <laughs> No beard, oh. no good. <laughs> He's the best in the neighborhood. <laughs> it stinks. So good, is it? <laughs> um, so yeah, he had the th- so we had the theme song, and he had a beard, which the crowd at one point was singing. Um, You've got your head on upside down <laughs> because he's bald Great. on top. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at this point, he was just kind of like, kind of your. Again, you're kind of hybrid wrestler, lightweight wrestler that can do flips and do tricks and quite smooth in the ring, but not quite to the standard of like a Haskins. So mm. he didn't stand out wrestling wise in that style and he didn't really have a character. He goes on to fix that with um, he takes on a character where he's the hip star. So he's a hipster who um, sips on lattes, <laughs> comes out with a little latte and he has like a little beanie hat with his right. big beard. And he's, a, and he's a hipster. Um, and then people boo him because he's a heel because people don't like hipsters. So. Man, I've seen that progress crowd. There are a lot of hipsters in that audience. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, that's got to be a number one baby face. <laughs> a lot of flannels. We're such, we're such hypocrites. <laughs> um, yeah, so he kind of fixes that in in the future. But but for this match, it, it's something that I always struggle with a little bit where it's face v face. And if you don't have characters that are loved quite as much as, say, for example, um, uh, Champa and Zack Sabre later, that, that they like they kind of play on Hill, faced them a little bit in that match, but they're mm-hmm. basically both faces going into that match. But they're more exposed and more loved by the crowd, so they kind of can latch onto it a bit more. Here you've got a debuting wrestler and a guy that hasn't been on progress too much, and they're both faces. Whereas in the previous match, Bubblegum, straight away a heel, mm. Haskins, straight away a face. If you, if you don't even know these guys, you can latch on to what they're doing with their character work. Yeah. Where it's face to face and it's booked in such a 50-50 way, this is kind of like, impress me <laughs> with moves. Yeah. And if you don't impress me with, with moves, then I don't really care. So it's a real hard situation for those wrestlers to be in. The one thing that I think people would have taken away was probably the fire and the kind of um, as you say, from Ashton, that he was so pumped up for this match that mm-hmm. that kind of came across, and you can and that kind of, and it was obviously a MPS match, so it's kind of a knockout match, and it's like do or die. So that came across a lot, but apart from that, in this match, 
it was quite a hard match to, to get into. But I, but I think that they really held the crowd. So that's important in that kind of situation. Like they did a good job because it's, mm-hmm. that could have easily been a kind of piss break match, if that makes sense. For sure. And yeah, like you said, it's an NPS match. So there's innate stakes in it. So there's at least that reason to stay engaged watching yep. it. But I do agree, a face fee face, face, and there's not a lot of attachment to either character. Although, I mean, Ashton, like we said, he kind of got the crowd as as the match progressed. But it was it was solid. Nothing in particular really stuck out to me. I thought Kyle Ashmore was a bit sloppy. I guess Ashton was too. But they're both pro Joe guys, both new guys. Yep. So that's to be expected. There were a few times where Kyle Ashmore almost broke his neck. He he did like a rolling Death Valley driver, but landed like perpendicularly to the to the mat. Um, there's like a, a Rana from the top rope where he jumps up to the top from the mat and he kind of landed on his head. And then the finish, um, Ashmore is on the apron and uh, Ashton's in the ring. Ashmore leaps. And I think the idea was Ashton was going to catch him into a fireman's carry position, but he kind of overshot him. So he had to like pick him up yeah. again and redo it. And then Ashton hits the GTS for the win. So Ashton Smith progresses in the NPS tournament. I thought Ashton kind of looked pissed at the end i think he maybe thought his performance wasn't up to snuff i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's kind of how i yeah gathered i it. think um so this might go over your head a bit but um there's uh quite a famous like thing in english football where um during like world cups and stuff is where like the big moments happen mm-hmm. and england's goalkeeper joe hart once came out for a match so pumped up and the close-up on his face was like him screaming the national anthem. And it was like, God, this guy is up for it. And he really loves his country. But I think like his performance then was so bad. And it was almost like he was so pumped up. I feel like his performance was nowhere as bad as Joe, as, as a Joe Hart's was. Right. Asher Smith was, personally, was perfectly acceptable. But I can understand why he was like, I could have done better here. It was a big spot for me. Mm-hmm. Like home, hometown match and all. But... Ashton Smith, I just wanted to say a quick little thing. He impressed me so much in NXT UK. Oh, yeah. So, progress, his career didn't really go anywhere in terms of progress. He didn't really get much of a run in Rev Pro or or any of those ones that meant that you got your um, access to Japan. And he managed to to get the gig at NXT UK. He was always a bit of an, an enhancement talent, solo wrestler. He had the whoop thing and that was about <laughs> that's it, pretty right? much it yeah <laughs> and you and it just kind of felt oh like it's such a shame like that he like he's a he's a perfectly good good wrestler he's got charisma but for whatever reason it's just not clicking and then mm-hmm. when he finally found that thing that he had and he needed and that was with oliver carter for that tag team that that, that they had and then they won the tag titles and that amazing match with mustache mountain and things and then weeks later, he does his cruciate ligament and he's out. And then obviously NXT ends and he's a free agent with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone from someone that I didn't really care for. And that kind of showed in this match where yeah, that, that, that was kind of like where he was in British wrestling to now. Like, I don't know what his plan is now that he's out of NXT, but I am pulling for that guy so much. Like, the way that he did his interview after he had to vacate the title, like mm-hmm. I believed every word, and the journey that he's been on to get to that pinnacle and then to get knocked down again, God, do I want him to come back from it? Like in a, in a similar way to like um, Tegan Knox. Yeah, 
Yeah, there are certain guys and girls that have like such a legitimate passion and that really comes through like through the screen when you see them. Ashton's definitely one of those guys. I would say like Mustafa Ali is another one of those guys. It's like, man, I just want success for these guys. They want it so bad. It's so clear. Um, But yeah, hopefully maybe NXT Europe, whatever that kind of materializes into. Hopefully Ashton will be a part of that or at least, you know, find success elsewhere because definitely a talented dude for sure. I thought like the whole build up between him and Oliver Carter and Mustache Mountain, because that was like a several week, if not month. Yeah. kind of build up to their title win that was a really really yeah. awesome feud and they had great matches and it was a shame that like you said ashton got injured right away pretty much and then he had the <laughs> almost straight away <laughs> stupid cowboys get the uk title so it was, whatever, <laughs> it was the whole thing um but i mean nxt uk kind of dissolved right after too so maybe it doesn't really matter yeah. um but speaking of nxt uk we got a couple alumni here we got a six-man tag team match Damn, they're all six of these guys were in NXT UK. Um, we got the team of FSU and Jack Gallagher. FSU, of course, the team of Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews versus The Origin, represented by Dave Mastiff, El Ligero, Nathan Cruz. And uh, we'll see Zach Gibson later, later in this match <laughs> and later in the card. Um, but yeah, a six man tag here. I believe this is the return of FSU since uh, or the first match since. Mark Andrews went over to TNA. Was Mark Andrews still in TNA at this point, or had he left? I think he was still there, just about, yeah. Okay, yeah, because he's... I think he fought for the Progress title last chapter, so he's been... He's, he's at least yeah. doing a tour um, of Progress. And, uh, man, FSU... Does anybody have a better entrance in Progress than FSU? Mate, what, what a time t- t- to be alive. When um, <laughs> Eddie Dennis came back... Oh, um, dude. Um, they they had that entrance for him, and then they turned it off for the um, for the purpose of the network where they don't have the rights to it. But for the live crowd, having that back again, yeah. it was amazing. It, it was being transported back back to 2016, having right. the best time. Same music, right? The Andrew WK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. That's one of those things you can't change. And I'll be, and I'll be hearing it again on Sunday, actually, when... Um, He's fighting against Will Ospreay at Rev Pro. Ooh, that would be a saucy one. That would be saucy. <laughs> but then the origin come out, speaking of saucy, to uh, Metallica, turn the page. I actually didn't realize it was Metallica till the last chapter when I was... I know, right? It really doesn't sound like them, does it? <laughs> no, because I, I was really shitting on it the last podcast I did. I was like, who is this stupid-ass band with this monotonous song? And it's like, oh, it's one of the... Biggest bands of all time. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but Origin comes out. Great. I think Origin. I, I wanted to not like them when they first got together, especially with the faceless stuff. That was really corny. But I think at this point, I don't know how long they last, but I think they seem to be gelling as a faction at this point. Would you agree? Mate, they're one of my favorite factions in yeah. progress history. I absolutely love them. The way that they kind of... Like because they're the origin and they've been there from the start, they understand the progress community. They understand the progress crowd. They understand everything about the aspect of progress wrestling. Yeah, and they know what gets on people's tits, and they're like, <laughs> "Let's do all of those things." Right. <laughs> so the entrance takes way too long. Oh my god! <laughs> Number one. Yeah. <laughs> they constantly make fun of the um fans for um liking the like 
indie wrestling and they're constantly saying how you know we're professional wrestlers mm. not indie wrestlers yeah so that gets people's goats up they're constantly getting in the crowd's faces with the fingers and pointing out people in the crowd that they think are ugly or whatever <laughs> it is that it may be at one point Ligero points at a, a fan and then gets Mastiff to basically say could you beat him up and Mastiff's like yeah <laughs> I could beat him up <laughs> It's so good. Like, I absolutely love the dynamic of it. You've got the, like, little guy that runs around and is kind of almost the mouthy one, so a bit like how they tried to do Butch at the start during Mm -hmm. that whole weird period. Uh, You've got Nathan Cruz, who's got that face that you just want to punch, and you've got the big bastard that is Mastiff. I think it worked perfectly. And the fact that these guys were the guys that were kind of, you know were bad, were better than you. And the fact that they've just come off being part of um, Adam Rose's Rosebuds at this time, and that was the reason that people were doing the... Were they all a part of it? Um, Cruz, Mastiff, definitely. I'm not sure if Ligero was, but Cruz and Mastiff definitely were. I'd like to think Ligero kept his shitty little horns for the the Rosebud (laughs) stuff. I'm pretty sure that Mastiff was a leprechaun, and I'll try and find a AI photo for you. <laughs> I, I, I meant to make a note of that because yeah, they were chanting Adam Rose. It's like it's interesting when you go back to like certain time periods. It's like what man Adam Rose is that topical at this point? But like, yeah, I guess that's why. Um, but yeah, man, t- totally agree. Love love the dynamic between these guys. Um, and this kind of goes back to a few chapters ago. The the faceless who then Trent uh, became the fa- uh, the origin. They debuted by attacking FSU and they beat them for the tag team titles and then they lost it to again and then the origin beat the Sumerian death squad a few chapters ago to regain the progress or maybe it was last chapter to regain the progress tag team titles. So they are two time tag team champions the origin and of course you got Legero and Nathan Cruz former progress world champions themselves so very decorated factions a lot of credibility to them. And, uh, yeah, the origin that they know how to work as heels. They, they dominate for a little bit. They're getting great heat. They're still jaw jacking with the crowd during the match. Uh, ultimately Jack Gallagher gets the hot tag and every, all hell breaks loose. Everybody does dives to the outside. There's one triple dive by all FSU and Gallagher. Then you got some double team moves towards the end. You got a, a stomping next stop driver by, uh, Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. Uh, they go for the pin on Legero, but Mastiff pulls out Eddie Dennis. And uh, Jack Gallagher pulls out a stalling suplex on Legero, but does squats while he's doing it, which is insane. <laughs> um, but then the fourth member of the origin comes out to distract Jack Gallagher. Jack goes out and attacks Zach Gibson. But in the ring, Mastiff hits a low blow to Eddie Dennis and Legero rolls him up for the win. So Origin getting the cheeky win here and just continue. If you thought their entrance was long, their uh, outro was almost equally <laughs> as long because they're still just yelling at the crowd, doing all the, you know, the whatever and the, the hand gestures and slapping each other's tits and all that stuff. So like I said, I mean, to sum up, I think the Origin have some good steam here throughout all of this. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love the fact that any time that the faces got a bit of steam going, they would chop block, they would cheat, eye, eye rake, 
stop stop any kind of mm-hmm. um, sign that the faces were going to come back into the match. Like, just constantly, as soon as the crowd is starting to come up and come up and come up and be like, come on. <laughs> nope. Right. Because <laughs> FSU, right. man, they're, they're beloved <laughs> by everybody. Yeah. And they, they really wanted to see them win. And uh, even Jack yeah. Gallagher, like, you know, as, as after they lost, he, he seemed really distraught. So uh, you really get the sense. Yeah. This kind of when like the cinematic lighting came into effect, and it yeah, I think yeah. it helped the situation here. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and happens. as like, and as such, loved baby faces by that crowd. That's perfect because you can lose matches, but you can't lose to those guys. You know, those yeah. dickheads. Exactly, you can't do that. <laughs> um, but well, I guess first of all, what are your thoughts on bleached blonde Zack Saber Jr. today? So I was pretty shocked when I saw it, and I don't know if this is going to be another uh, reference that goes over your head, because Take That weren't very big in America, but Take That were one of the biggest pop groups in the early 90s Mm. and mid-90s of the UK, and Zack Sabre Jr. now looks like Gary Barlow from 1993. Okay. Somebody (laughs) listening gets that reference, so it's not all about me, I guess. But uh, (laughs) but yeah, we got a, uh, a rematch from... Uh, the natural or the um, super strong style tournament, I believe, is when they last faced in progress. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Zack Sabre Jr. And um, really good match. It was it was very interesting watching Tommaso Ciampa, like his energy. I was trying to gather like if he was a heel or a face. I think it, ultimately he was a heel in this match. But it was like even from the moment he came out, he wasn't. Because normally he's kind of like sprints to the ring and he's like bouncing off the ropes. But he was a little more subdued here, I thought. And um, he was kind of like looking at because the crowd was like seemed to, be, seemed to be more pro Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe he just has more catchy chance. I think it's all it ultimately comes down to. But um, yeah, I guess the heel face dynamic Ch- Champa because everybody loves Champa. But Champa always seems to like turn heel within the match and then turn back baby face once the match is over. Uh, what do you think of that whole dynamic? Yeah, so... Here, I found the match super interesting in terms of face v. Hill. Obviously, Champa at this point is, is the psycho killer, and he comes out to psycho killer by talking heads, which is mm-hmm. banging theme tune. Um, and he comes out and he's kind of he's kind of like faux, kind of respecting Zack Sabre Jr. He does that kind of bowing down to him and um, telling him how great he is. Mm-hmm. And But there's that kind of sense that it's not really true like a kind of like taking the piss out of him a little bit yeah um and he kind of wrestles in a way that's kind of um at the start at least he kind of tries to match zack saber's um submission style mm. and then the classic psycho killer thing where he snaps and then he just goes into mad strikes and big knees and um yeah he like i, I think the turning point was when he did the kind of thing where he got the um fan to to, to, to hold his uh, arms at each thing and then ran around the ring and gave him the big knee right <laughs> um kind of like just like taking the piss almost like uh-huh. like almost tr- tr- or, like it like even holding him holding him out in that way is kind of a kind of like symbolic of religion and kind of like these fans think that you like these these fans think that you're a god and i'm gonna just smash your face in yeah which is pretty cool um so i loved it i, I like i saw some people online saying that they felt that the previous match was better but I've watched both quite recently, and I think this one was better. Really? Yeah, I was 
I, I I might personally prefer the first match, but this match, this this one right here, the second one, I thought, even though it was slower, probably, I think the body language and the storytelling had more substance to it because the first one was more just yeah. like a sprint. Like it was like a, it was a tournament match. It was purely like sports based, whereas this one, there's some character elements to it. So it's really just what you prefer in wrestling, I guess. But um, yeah, I actually think it's got kind of parallels to the match at Wrestle Kingdom between Osprey and Omega, where oh, yeah. they're, like they're, where they're kind of fighting to prove that that like they're better than the other one. Mm-hmm. And I think here there's a the parallel of that where Champa is kind of set like it, like even by the end where where, where Champa says like yeah okay I, like actually I've changed my mind in that weird way that that, that he does and you're the best wrestler in the world mm-hmm. like even that is a kind of a twisted way of saying I've just beaten you and you're the best in the world so I'm the best in the world <laughs> yeah I guess there's also probably a sense of uh desperation because Champa his record isn't too good in progress at this point he lost to Zach in the yeah, first match the, yeah I liked the the, the T-Bone commentary said that and actually um Little shout out to Callum Leslie. I think this was his first show. Um, it was great. Show. Yeah, he replaced really Glenn good, yeah. Joseph, right? That's his name. Um, yeah. It was him and Callum and RJ Singh. I thought the commentary, I thought yeah. the audio was it, like as, as good as it's ever been because yeah. originally like when the team came together, it was like kind of poppy and like oh, loud. God, yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would just blow your eardrums out. And it would. Yeah. But this one, I think they're starting to figure it out. So overall, the production's just making leaps and bounds, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really good match. Like you said, they kind of start out feeling each other out, chain wrestling stuff. Zach obviously is the the master at it. So Champa is kind of on the back foot and then he kind of snaps at some point. They start fighting on the outside. Like you said, he does the knee as uh, Zach is on a chair. They uh, brawl. It starts it turns into a little bit of a brawling match on the outside. There's one spot where Zach, he like arm bars champa across the first row which like i don't know how to explain it. he just kind of like whipped him across the chairs yeah, and kind of dragging him across the crowd almost yeah he does he stomps on his arm on the floor got got pretty brutal um zach works the left arm of champa champa does an interesting thing that i don't think i've ever seen before he takes one of his knee pads off and puts it on his elbow which i don't know if that does anything <laughs> but i don't know it was a it was a fun little uh element that he added to it i guess um that's what greg valentine should have been doing there it is <laughs> there it is champa's just he, he's thinking ahead but uh yeah so we get some it gets a little nasty towards the end champa's with some brutal knees he spits at zach saber uh zach you know middle fingers so it's getting pretty uh fuck you energy in this match uh Champa goes for a project Champa, but Zach counters it into a triangle, but Champa counters it into an arm bar. So you got some good back and forth action here towards the ending stretch. You got a little slap battle between the two, but Champa, like this is where because Zach was had the advantage in the wrestling in the beginning, but now Champa, when it's just pure striking, Zach continuously is just falling on his ass and he's like, God damn, I can't win this one. But um ultimately Zach goes for a flying arm bar but it gets countered into a project champ up a champa's just worn out. Can't take advantage. And they end up trading roll-ups. Zach lands into a prawn hold, but then champa reverses into like a German suplex style pin. And uh champa gets the win ends up out wrestling Zach at the end here. And uh, yeah, like you said, champa gives Zach a shout out at the end. Best wrestler alive today. 
but then they both hold up ones because they both have a win against each other. So I guess setting up a rubber match, which does that end up happening? It does. It does. So another thing to look forward to, I guess. But any other thoughts on that? Yeah. The only other um, take that I've got on my little notes here was um, I really enjoy the kind of heildom in wrestling and how like they can piss take. And uh, there's a bit of piss taking that Champa does here where obviously um, Zach is known as the submission master and he puts him in like a pretty basic armbar and he goes to the crowd and just goes, <laughs> armbar! <laughs> Channeling Chris Jericho from the 90s. Love it. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. the theme here. He's kind of just taking the piss out of the progress crowd and what they like. He's like, no, I'm going yeah. to Americanize <laughs> you motherfuckers. Uh, well, we got some, uh, some tag team matching. At Tag Team Action to follow that, we got the Sumerian Death Squad, the team of Michael, Dante, and Tommy End, versus the London Riots. So uh, these two teams, so the last chapter, there was an eight-man tag where the, the SDS and London Riots were on the same team, but ultimately they're, you know, miscommunication. This guy forearms this guy on accident, and then they broke sta- it broke down into a brawl. So now we have this match where the two teams face each other, and... Um, there, there was there was a spot in the beginning of the match that I think is representative of this. There was like a strike exchange between Tommy End and James Davis where you have Tommy throwing all his kicks and his knees and his spinning elbows. And then you just have Davis just with a lariat turning Tommy End 360 in the air. Um, fu- a fun brawling style tag team match between four big guys and uh, lots of double team stuff. Any, anything in particular stick out to you in this one? Yeah, so for me, like, this is a classic match to further a storyline, right? Like, right. the purpose of this match is to give you a, more of a story beat for the match later down the road. Mm-hmm. And this is what this was. Um, for a match that was basically ju- just for the purpose of furthering the storyline, they probably shouldn't have taken so many bumps. Some of the bumps they took was crazy. Yeah. The apron bump. Nice. Pedumption. Branding. Um <laughs> that James Davis took in this match was horrendous. Don't know if you. Which one was that? There was so that, much, so much where, um, that happened. He basically took a um, like a like a suplex, like a like a, some kind of like suplex mm-hmm. onto the uh, apron, and you could tell that the from the angle that the camera was that the canvas wasn't quite fully up to the edge oh, of the apron as well. So it was yeah, just yeah. pure wood. Oof. <laughs> no good. It is. No it, good. I, don't, I don't know if you've heard this, but that that part of the ring, it, it's it's the hardest part of the ring. I've never heard that. Yeah, fun wow, fact. That's... Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So in terms of the actual match, I must admit that I was just kind of like, yeah, this is a great fun brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, but my two takeaways are that still to this day, I think this is the coolest that Tommy End, Alistair Black, Malachi Black has ever been. I don't think he's ever yeah. looked cooler than in the SDS with that denim jacket, with that slip black hair, mm. just slightly less tattoos, just looks menacing and cool and he's silent and he doesn't have to do these meandering promos about witchcraft and shit. <laughs> he just he just wants to hurt people. He looks like he can hurt people. He looks cool and he's over as fuck. And to me, pretty much everyone has dropped the ball on him, in my opinion. The closest that the closest that I thought were okay, they get it was that NXT episode where he kind of came out of the backstage, kicked mm-hmm. open the door, 
kicked everyone's ass, came into the ring, kicked everyone's ass in the ring. That's the closest that I've been like, yeah, that's that's what I imagine in my head would be this dude, not like the House of Black stuff. For, for me, you don't, I'm just you, like, you don't like the lore of his eye black getting progressively no. bigger. <laughs> when I watch this stuff back, I'm like, it's just strip it down. It's like he, he looks like a fucking star. Mm hmm. Just strip it down. Have him be a fucking badass. Yeah, him, him <laughs> bare bones Malachi Black is completely unique to anybody else. Yes. His style, his look, just everything about him. And sometimes companies can overthink him. Both WWE and AEW, but they both did it. So yeah, uh, yeah. WWE probably underthought it. He was just another guy. But yeah. Um, and my second big takeaway from it was the actual match itself was that I loved that obviously... The previous chapter, there was a miscommunication classic. Can these teams coexist? Right. <laughs> um, and they couldn't. And the match was going a, 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 like according to plan in terms of face v face. Just two, just four blokes that want to fight because something happened previously. And then Tommy End choosing to not do the pin on the Black Mass, the previously named Black Mass. That's mm -hmm. basically the magic killer, but slightly different. Um, and he picks him up. And the crowd just had that like hush of like, okay, something's going down here that's that wasn't expected, and I, I and I love that where yeah. sometimes that happens at, in smaller shows or on big shows where you you're expecting the match to go one way and it just goes somewhere else entirely. And I loved that. I thought they did a great job. And then the beatdown afterwards was brutal. The power bomb on, onto the chair looked mm -hmm. no fun at all. Um, and then the riot sold it brilliantly. I thought like some like one of the things that I love in wrestling. Because we all know what pro wrestling is, but when you get a beat down and then they sell it to the point where even though you've seen the this 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 same beat down four thousand times, there's still that little trigger in your brain of like, maybe he's really hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that power bomb on the Love chair it. was nasty. Yeah, it was yeah. I guess a heel turn for SDS, right? So it gets complicated because they're trying to turn Tommy End, and the crowd ain't having mm, it. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah, because he's he's just so fun to watch. Like it's hard, to, and like you said, he just looks cool coming out. So it's hard to yeah. boo a guy. So I guess they're trying as hard as they can. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, blame the crowd for not getting against him. I guess, but they're doing yeah. their best. I mean, yeah, I mean SDS. They kind of always had this anti-hero kind of vibe to them, but I guess now they're officially. At least trying to uh, head towards the heel direction, which, you know, we've been saying it, you know, a couple of times during this during the show that if it's face v face, heel v heel, it can be kind of hard to kind of root for somebody or care about the uh, the outcome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the way they took that. But yeah, really fun match, some good double team moves and uh, DQ finish ultimately. But really, the story here, as we said, is uh, to build up to a future match match, I suppose, to continue the feud. But um, after that. We got Rampage Brown versus Marty Skrull, the villain. Uh, I said earlier, is there a better entrance than FSU's? I think Rampage Brown is uh, is up there as well. The it's up there. Hate breed music, the crowd chanting along with it. it is it is badass. What did you make of the change of Marty from Offspring Marty to Porter's Head? I think this, <laughs> this was the debut of his Porter's Head music. Uh, yes, and he might have had it the last chapter. I, I don't remember, but it was interesting because 
I've always known Marty Skrull as kind of like a um, like a tongue in cheek heel kind of like he's a dick, but he's also yeah. like kind of fun love, not fun loving, but, you know, he's just kind of airy and he has this kind of a vibe yeah. to him. But like here he his was, previous theme was pretty fly for a white guy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but he kind of like when it's even when he turned heel and started to become the villain, like he still had the same personality. He just kind of carried an umbrella and had different hair. Like that's kind of yeah. the only difference. But this, this is like the first time I've seen him where it's like, oh, he's. He's not a nice fella. Like he comes out yeah. very ominous, like the red lighting at his entrance, the music, the just the facials, the body language. I thought it was it was pretty cool. He had the long tights, too, which is interesting. I don't know because I know he would go back to short tights. I don't know how long this lasted. He looked like a uh, like he belonged in the Actually, judgment day. quite suited him, I think. Those long. Yeah, it made time. him stand out because like <laughs> I think it was a few chapters ago. He faced Mark Haskins. It's like correct. Yeah, yeah. Two twins facing each other. So, yeah, I mean, long tights <laughs> made him stick out for sure. And uh, Rampage, always, he's just always going to be that guy that you can throw out there to get a crowd behind and to uh, root for the heel to get his comeuppance, I suppose. And Marty's another guy who um, is that you could you definitely get the sense that he's at the top of the heap as far as like the singles division because he had a few losses in a row. And then he's started really amping up his uh, dickheadedness, if I can uh, use it, that term. Um, Do you know what? Um, watching this back right um, right now, it really made me think of like, oh, wow, this was his kind of Austin Theory coming out party where he where he drops the, um, mm. the selfies and all that yeah. sort of bullshit. And now he's kind of like, I'm like, I, I'm a man now. Treat me like a man. It almost feels a bit kind of similar to that where, where Marty was kind of, as you were saying, like he kind of dropped the campiness to him. Right. And became the villain. Yeah. I would I would even say maybe that happened when he attacked Chris Travis in his last progress match. Well, yeah, I mean, that was fucking awful. That was, especially <laughs> in hindsight, that was like, Oof. that was a, uh, yeah. talk about heat. But uh, yeah, Marty's definitely, uh, with Jimmy Havoc not in the picture as of this moment, you need a top heel. And Marty's definitely that guy, it seems. Um, that's pretty good. You know, nothing really blew me away particularly, although there was an insane deadlift power bomb by rampage where, you know, Marty has like an arm bar or something on rampage. And we, we see it all the time where the guy like lifts him up and then kind of like drops him. But rampage picked him all the way up and like a whiplash power bomb. Just, uh, that's a strong lad that Mr. Rampage Brown, but, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of arm work by Marty attacking the arm of rampage. And uh, ultimately, this match comes to an end when uh, they're basically trading strikes in the middle of the ring. And then Marty just whips out an eye poke and this pisses Rampage off, goes to attack Marty. But Marty's in the ropes. The ref tries to pull Rampage off. But the ramp- then Rampage shoves the ref. He's like, no, nah, I'm getting this lad. And then Marty, as the ref is, you know, kind of dealing with something, whatever, on the other side of the ring, Marty whips out his umbrella, smacks Rampage in the face with it and pins rampage for the win so marty gets the win over a uh very over rampage brown so i thought i thought it accomplished what it set out to yeah it was it was it was weird wasn't it because they kind of treated this as the breather match between right. a hell of a brawl and then what was going to be a balls to the wall triple threat main event and these guys are too good to really be a breather match but mm. they had to do what they had to do and you do need a breather match in this situation like you like we've like we've just watched six brilliant matches and sometimes you just need a bit of time to cool off 
And right. I think they did a really good job of like they're like 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 they're both amazing wrestlers, so they can pull this off easily. Where they kind of like wrestled within themselves to the point where it's only people that watch a lot of wrestling even notice that that was the case. Like mm-hmm. if like if you were a casual fan, you would still think that was a sick match. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like it was a really good match, but like it didn't need to be five stars after Zach after. SDS and then moving on to uh, Will in, mm-hmm. in the main, like it, it, like it did the right thing that it was supposed to do there. Marty wrestled in a slightly more cerebral way than he was previously. There was n- there was none of that kind of just kidding stuff that he was previously doing. Right. It was more kind of eye pokes and more kind of almost like Triple H wrestling in a way, like Triple H Hill two thousand and two kind of tri- Triple H mm-hmm. where you know he just gets the job done. Kind of waiting for the other person to make a mistake. There was quite a lot. There was quite a lot of that in that in this match where uh, Rampage would go for a big power move and get countered or miss, and then Marty would, t- would take advantage. Right. Um. I, and then he did the kind of he did do he 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 did do a little bit of the reliant on bubblegumness stuff where he did that snot into the crowd, which is pretty grim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you could see full booger, full oh. booger going second row. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> you think that person still has that booger to this day? Um, and of course, like Skull goes over, and Brown looks a bit of a dick in a way because he's been like outdone and outsmarted, and then cracked with an umbrella and lost. But then you don't want your kind of like favored babyface to look like an idiot, so they gave mm. him the heat back at the end, which is which was the smart thing as well, I think. Yeah, gave uh, gave Marty a lariat and then gave a people's elbow to the umbrella. So <laughs> just, and like, then sold it at, at, at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it probably hurt. I would imagine <laughs> giving an elbow to an umbrella probably hurts. It's probably why I don't see it a lot, um, among other reasons. But that sets up the main event. The Progress Championship is on the line. We got a three-way match. The champion, Will Ospreay, defending against Zach Gibson and Flash Morgan Webster. So uh, this all came about because Morgan Webster won the NPS, but then Zach Gibson beat Flash at the last chapter to win the the trophy, which essentially is a money in the bank kind of deal. But um, he won it in nefarious ways. So I guess management was like, you know what? Both of you just get the championship match. It's going to be a triple threat match. So solid logic there. But uh, I guess b- before we get into the match itself, did you you said you watched Omega versus Osprey, right? Yeah. I, I have yet to watch it. But um, I guess what were your general thoughts on that match? And how does that compare to uh, this era of Will Ospreay? Do you think? Uh, the match is amazing. And you should definitely go out of your way to watch yeah. it. Um, anyone who says that either Omega or Osprey can't tell a story, don't tell a narrative in the ring, are just talking absolute shit. And yeah. that match did both of those things. Um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil too much for you. Just I know, I know who wins. I don't know like exactly what happens, but yeah, um, but yeah, I totally agree about you know in this case Osprey telling a story because I thought I think him even in 2015 here I think he's an amazing storyteller to accompany all of his skills. So totally agree yeah. with you there. And, but uh, the interesting thing obviously is that he's kind of a beast now and right. He wrestles and he wrestles not to impress the 
fans with his flips and tricks. He wrestles to elbow people in the fucking head. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which is very, very different to the character that he's portraying here. The kind mm. of like, like it's so funny to me because I've met Will a few times and I've followed him for 10, 12 years or whatever from, from the British scene. And him coming out to ACDC <laughs> is so like not him. Like, right. <laughs> he, like, 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 like he comes out um, in like an almost like a high school musical jacket. Right. And he okay, would, uh, and he yeah. would, and like he would probably be listening to the high school musical soundtrack in like in real life. Like that's the kind of guy that he is. <laughs> Only a Letterman jacket kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's something. And yeah, like he, like obviously his body is nowhere near the body that he now owns <laughs> right and he doesn't look as imposing here he's he's obviously a lot more baby face there's no beard going on um but the skills are all still there as we've mentioned and like sort like storytelling here like i love the fact that zach gibson obviously is the master of the shankly gates so he's going to attack mm-hmm. people's arms and throughout this whole match his his tactic was i'm going to kick one guy out of the ring so i only have to wrestle one guy in the mm-hmm. ring and when i'm in the ring i'm going to attack their their arms and then when the other guy comes in i'll throw the other guy out and then work on his arm and then both webster and osprey sold that arm injury brilliantly but the best part of of either of them doing it was that bit where he went to to do the springboard into the cutter and his arm buckles i don't even know how you how you fake an arm buckle Right, <laughs> that's amazing. Like the uh, the handspring into the os cutter, but then yeah, like his arm crumples and he can't do it. Yeah. Even like some springboards, he's like, like like almost hesitates when he does it. <laughs> Such good stuff, man. He's just he was a he was always a precocious talent, and you've watched him on his progress run from chapter two or three. I can't remember which mm-hmm. chapter he was first on, and you can tell from the get go that he's got all the talent there, and he just obviously needs to. Um, fit everything else around it and even at 2015 here you can see the difference between him in 2013 to 2015 oh yeah for sure and where he is now like like and and he's not even hit his ceiling it's incredible really no yeah not at all and yeah commentary is kind of putting over that will osprey is starting to get a little cocky which i know he eventually turns heel um don't know how exactly that materializes or when that happens, but I th- it seems like they're starting to plant seeds for that character shift a little bit here. And um, yeah. I guess established. I also love that commentary mentioned that he's kind of gone through all of his payback and gone through all of his mm, revenge yeah. story. And now he's kind of left to just prove how, how great he is. And like that plays into being cocky, right? Right. So like, like, like the storytelling in progress in these early stages was amazing and that played into that as well yeah yeah because i think i would say flash morgan webster here is definitely the 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 sympathetic baby face here among these three and of course zach gibson is the heel i do like the dynamic (laughs) because will osprey and flash morgan webster at least at this point they have very similar styles so it seemed like a constant struggle and you kind of alluded to it where they would team for a lot of this they're like teaming up against gibson to get him out so that will and flash can like go one-on-one and there's exchanges between all three of these guys different combos between them all i mean i don't know if we could i mean like you said this this match just balls to the wall i mean <laughs> yeah. this three-way match with these guys in it there was no lull in action they fought all in the crowd by the bar 
who who was I think it was um somebody got thrown like through an entire row of chairs. Oh, Webster did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Her entire column of chairs. He literally he just, got thrown he through just the, disappears. <laughs> through the front row to the back row. It just went I don't know how he went that far. Um <laughs> a lot of brawling stuff in the beginning. Like you said, Gibson works on the arms of both guys. Um there's a pretty fun exchange between Osprey and Webster where Will does like a standing shooting star and then Flash gets back up and does his front flip splash, but it gets countered into a crucifix. Uh, Will tries to hit a suplex, but Flash flies up and hits him with a Rana to counter. Just crazy stuff throughout this whole match. Any spots in particular stick out to you? Um, anytime that it was just Webster and Osprey in the ring, yeah, kind of had me salivating because they're both so good. Obviously, Osprey is elite. But Webster's not far off. Yeah. And he's also got the... At this point, you could argue, actually, that he's maybe got his character and his charisma slightly better down than Osprey has at this point, arguably. Yeah. Um, And the fact that I don't think these two go on to have a singles match in progress kind of kind of made me really sad because the small glimpses of it in this triple threat where there was those kind of like snap snap move move snap snap back and forth back and forth like they like they had brilliant timing um we obviously saw a similar match previous chapter andrews and osprey and they killed Mm. it i think that if webster and osprey were given the chance to have a solo match it would have been very very similar yeah for sure um hey they're both still going today so we can see it eventually (laughs) Um, but the, yeah, like you said, like Osprey and Webster, they would have these crazy exchanges and then Zach would get in and just take the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Will eventually he goes to the top rope, but the origin comes out the, the rest of them, Dave Mastiff, Nathan Cruz, Laguero, they come out and, uh, just kick the shit out of Will Osprey. It's no DQ, I guess. Um, but in the ring as you know, Will's on the outside, <laughs> it was a funny spot. Cause like Will, the origin are holding Will up like in a crucifix position, making him watch watch the ring. Yeah. Inside the ring, he got Gibson hits a lung blower to Flash Webster, and then a brain buster goes for the pin, but it's a two count. Um, Will's space during that whole thing where he's being held is that is perfect. <laughs> that needs to be your uh, your thumbnail also, Carl. <laughs> yes, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. His facials, man, they're over the top, but they're uh, I enjoy them. Uh, but then FSU and Jack Gallagher come back out because as we uh, mentioned before, they had the whole match at the origin earlier and there's shenanigans afoot. So FSU, Gallagher, origin, they're all fighting on the outside. And then Flash and Will come off the top rope, dives onto everybody on the outside. Back in the ring, you got uh, Will Osprey hits a poison run out of Flash Hits him with a red arrow from the top rope, but then Gibson gets in, and I bid on this one because I, 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 was, oh, I saw did. this match on the card, and I was like, "Will's winning this. There's no way these guys." <laughs> but man, for a second, I was like, "Oh shit, is Gibson gonna sneak this one out?" Because <laughs> Osprey hits the red arrow, Gibson gets in, throws out Will, pins Flash, but then gets a two count. Um, then ultimately, Osprey gets back in, hits the os cutter on Zach Gibson, goes to the top. Goes to hit this 630 splash, but Webster stops him. Webster and Osprey are fighting up top. Gibson gets up and hits a sh- locks in the Shankly gate. They're like all on the 
second and third rope yeah. in the corner. Gibson locks in the Shankly Gates on the Flash Webster, but Flash fights him off, knocking Gibson to the mats. Flash hits the 450 onto Gibson, but then Osprey hits the 630 onto Flash on top of both of them and pins Flash and gets the win. Retains his title. Uh, more rotations on your splash means more impact, I guess. So uh, he's able to beat the 450 <laughs> with the 630. It's just math. But um, and there's some shenanigans after. But as far as the match goes, any other thoughts on this one? Oh, mate, like topped off what was, I thought, an incredible card of wrestling. Um, as I said at the start, I don't think there was there was anything that was a dud. Yeah. Um, and the match and the main event. It depends on, on your style of wrestling. I can I can completely understand if you felt that this was the best match on the card. I can completely understand you having that point of view. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I enjoyed the Zack Sabre match slightly more because there's a bit more story involved. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just three brilliant wrestlers telling a brilliant story in the ring, plus the like silly wrestlingness of the origin coming out and <laughs> <laughs> like that, like this was a this was a professional match. This was a professional wrestling match, and sorry, this was a sports entertainment kind of fun match that mm-hmm. was kind of indie rific, whereas. The Zack Sabre match was a bit more art, I guess. Um, But this was brilliant, and it made me really miss Flash Morgan Webster. I hope that he comes back to wrestling soon enough. I know that he owns a promotion here in uh, the UK, and he's busy doing that. Oh, really? Um, But I really hope that he comes back, because he seems to be someone that feels a bit like he's let let himself down or, or let his fans down in some way because he didn't become a bigger star but we love him and hopefully uh uh he goes on to big and great things gibson i will always love i know that in nxt he's, he's portraying a slightly odd you character mean, um for, oh what's his name in nxt now uh no uh, what is his name rip fowler uh, okay yeah that is what it is <laughs> does he have his eyeballs back yet yeah <laughs> Um, but Gibson is amazing and he obviously got nuclear heat here. He's, I mentioned previously that, um, Bubblegum didn't get a big cheer because he wore a shirt that is in a two club city, but mm-hmm. he's a, but he's a hero anyway. So he wasn't, that he was always going to get booed, but he didn't get booed anywhere near as much as Gibson <laughs> because Gibson's from a neighboring city, Liverpool uh-huh. and everyone in Manchester hates Liverpool. Where's my so. car stereo? um and he feeds off that he thrives off it um there's not many people that are better at it in british wrestling or european wrestling or world wrestling in in my opinion Mm -hmm. than um garnering that hate from the crowd and just wrenching it on to the person that 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 he's wrestling against and as you say he's a wrestler that was believable in this match that you could see him winning the match in that um close to two count that you mm-hmm. bit for um and then you've got osprey who what can you say about osprey he's just he's pretty incredible. good at wrestling the the um the hurricane rana that he managed to turn into a land on, yes. on his feet that um i know lots of um times he's done that um in on bigger stages and got bigger pops but it's the same spot and it still hits me yeah. hard it's probably one of the first <laughs> times he's done it right at least on a relatively yeah. big stage yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this match 
was amazing. Um, and not only did we get the great match, we also, because progress tells good stories, uh, we also got uh, the run-in at the end. A, uh, a villainous run-in, if I say so myself. <laughs> it's the villain. Marty <laughs> Skrull comes out after and <laughs> gives Osprey celebrating his win. Marty runs in, attacks Osprey, gives him a big power bomb. A um, Osprey like tries to get up. He has his arm on the rope. Marty hits him with a chair right on the arm, and then a few more brutal chair shots as he laid on the ground. And then Marty wraps the chair around Will's arm and uh, channels some Jimmy Havoc energy here. He basically grabs a mic. And he threatens Jim Smallman, who's ringside. He's like, hey, give me a title match at the next chapter or I'm going to break this motherfucker's arm. And then Smallman's like, all right, you got it. And then Marty's like, "Okay," And then he breaks his arm anyways. So Pilmanizes Osprey's arm here, setting up their title match at chapter 25. So solid storytelling here. We're talking about earlier how Marty's kind of become the big heel um, in the absence of Jimmy Havoc here. So it makes sense. And uh, sets up their upcoming match perfectly, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I found myself absolutely howling at um, Jim Smallman's reaction. He's, mm-hmm. He was just kind of, oh, mate, don't do that, mate. Oh, mate, <laughs> c- calm down, mate. Smallman, oh, mate, he, he's just you can have tired the match. of this. <laughs> you can have the match. And then he breaks his arm. <laughs> oh, you bitch. It's a classic, um, there's, a, there's a joke over... Over here, where it's like um, in America, they'll say, stop or I'll shoot. <laughs> and then right. in and then in Britain, they'll say, stop or I'll say stop again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is the energy of Jim Smallman in a nutshell, for sure. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that uh, that brings the show to a close. Chapter 24. Up North, the Up North, whatever the show's called, the Manchester show, their debut in Manchester. Any other thoughts on this this chapter that we didn't uh, we didn't touch on? Just it's it's just made me excited to go and watch the the next chapter. I'll be honest, like I think it really laid laid the table for the next chapter. Made me excited for a lot of the stories going forward, even though I've re- <laughs> I've already seen them, yeah. uh, but it's been a while since I have. So yeah, I, like. In terms of an indie wrestling show, not only are you getting great wrestling, which you get with pretty much most indie wrestling shows, you're also getting story-driven mm-hmm. stuff as well, which which is what I love about wrestling. So, right. yeah, if you haven't been watching Progress or catching up with Carl's um, shows up, up until this point, make sure that you do, because honestly, around this time, especially around this time, I think, 2016, maybe 2008, 2016 through to 2018 possibly mm-hmm. where it really hit its heyday um yeah and you're in for a treat for the next two years carl enjoy looking forward to it <laughs> you'll be you'll be here for a lot of it i'm sure as long as you want to but <laughs> was there was there anyone um on the card that you kind of like fell in love with more or fell out of love with more from watching this show um let me see here i mean I don't know if anybody really flipped me. I guess the origin, like I really didn't want to like the origin at first, but I, I really enjoyed their work, their character work on this show. 
Like Haskins is, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Love Tommy End to this day. Yeah, you've always loved Haskins, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy End's still to this day one of my favorites. It's fun watching Champa in his early days. He's kind of similar, but also some differences. Zack Sabre Jr. is timeless. So, yeah, I would say the origin has probably won me over more so than anybody. Um, nice. But uh, So I didn't manage to win you over with sticks and... Um, <laughs> you know what? I do enjoy man, sticks. I, 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 I've but. learned to to like sticks. <laughs> His match with RJ Singh, which uh, <laughs> I think that won me over the sticks. He was the the, the hard yeah, yeah. the house of pain. Also, but... actually, should we talk about should we talk about our man RJ Singh's bump? Shit, we didn't touch on that at all. Yeah, it was during the uh, the SDS match, right? The uh, yeah, yeah, because during the beatdown where he was like. I'm going to go down and see what's going on. RJ Singh, <laughs> this man's retired, but he always seems to be the guy that's like trying to save the planet here because it was like a couple chapters ago. I don't even remember who it was. There was, there were, I think it might've been actually SDS and London riots. They were brawling in the ring and then the whole locker room comes out. They're like trying to stop them, but nobody's touching anybody. And then RJ Singh's, let me, let me, let me, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> he, he does it all himself. <laughs> and then here he's like, the SDS, they're in the post-match beatdown, and RJ's like, oh, what? I'm going to put my cape on. I'm going to go save the day here, and he just gets kicked <laughs> in the fucking face. It's like, you know what, RJ? As soon as he stepped on the apron. <laughs> uh, but then he came back for the main event. What a pro. What a yeah, pro. What a trooper. <laughs> Miss RJ. RJ. I liked that, um, that when Callum asked him about it, he was like, let's not ruin the main event, Callum. I'm going to talk about that with management later. <laughs> he's he's missing teeth. He's bleeding from the lips. Oh, it'll be fun. I got a title match to call. <laughs> Love RJ Singh. He's he's probably my favorite wrestler in the world. Master of the DDT. Master of the DDT. That RJ Singh. But uh, and he still holds that race card. <laughs> Does he? he? He brings it out every now and then. I'm sure. Right before he locks in the ethnic submission, folks. Uh, does he have any more matches in progress? I think he comes back and wrestles at some point, right? Um, in progress. I know he's wrestling all across. Does he in progress? I don't know if he does in progress, but he's back wrestling. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still going. He's going strong today, that RJ Singh. Having fun. Mr. DDT. Mr. DDT having fun wrestling because wrestling should be fun. <laughs> but speaking of which, speaking of which, once again, Ross, thank you. It's always, always a pleasure having you. Uh, lead me through the history of progress. Where can everybody find you and the rest of your wrestling should be fun crew? Yep. So the crew can be found on Instagram, which is at wrestling should be fun, which makes sense. And then on Twitter, which is at WSBFUN, which makes less sense, but, we, <laughs> but, but we're still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys have a great podcast. Uh, the Booker Bingo. You try to trip me up with, uh, Balls Mahoney and uh, Santa oh, yes. Claus. Balls and Santa Claus. <laughs> I watched it. It was fantastic. I, loved I it. had. I literally. <laughs> I, did, I didn't plan anything in the head. So I. I thought of it like as I finished recording. I was like, man, I could have had a whole backstory of Balls Mahoney got coal from Santa <laughs> Claus as a child and he's looking for revenge. But <laughs> next episode. Next episode, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Lying in bed at night, worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're. Um, a podcast primarily it's a group of guys that um come to watch um wrestling um and then we talk about when we go to that wrestling if we can remember it because we tend to get pretty drunk 
Mm. And um, we have three kind of main ones. We have the call-up sheet where we ask people to uh, have a shout-out and we go through your Twitter profile and we create a wrestling gimmick based off that profile for you. Um, Sometimes it's mean-spirited, but mostly it's positive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have What the Nerds Are Watching, where we talk about the weekend wrestling, um, whether that be AEW, WWE, NXT, Progress, RevPro, New Japan, etc., etc. Then we'll have a roundtable where uh, we'll bring a big topic to the um, table and we'll talk about that topic. So it's a different topic each time. And then we also have Booker Bingo, which is what um, (laughs) this Christmas... Carl had to do between Santa Claus and Boars Mahoney, and somehow he managed to make what I have to admit stellar, absolutely stellar. <laughs> I know that could have gone on on any in your house in in 1995. <laughs> it would sell out <laughs> half the arena in any arena. Um, and then we also have some guests on as well. Um, as I said, we're a British wrestling base, so we tend to have British wrestlers on. Uh, but we do have some Americans on from time to time. Um, we've uh, we've had the ECW ref, Jim Molyneux, who was a lot of fun to have on. Some some fun stories about the likes of Sandman. Um, mm. <laughs> so go back and listen to that one if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, e- pretty much every week, uh, listen to me, Dom, Coleman, JCH, all the other bellends. <laughs> <laughs> bellends. That's something that needs to take the u.s by storm it's it always sounds so mean <laughs> when you say it, or when anybody says it oh yes yeah and, and make sure to catch them on their uh their beer pong tournaments as well absolutely pre yeah. uh pre pre uh is where i'll add a little sound effect here right that's how we end the episode right once again thank you to ross from the wrestling should be fun podcast for joining me today always a good time with rossy boy uh, check out Wrestling Should Be Fun on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, all the info in the description. Check out the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, one of the most entertaining podcasts out there that is wrestling related or you know, just in general, one of the best podcasts out there. They're sweet boys. Go check them out. Uh, ApronBump.com. You know the deal. ApronBump on all the social medias. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Lemon Party, fucking uh, RuneScape. It's all there. Apron bump across the board. And yeah, with that, I'll love you and I'll leave you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. I'm hard. Yeah. It's a hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you the hardest. Standing strong and proud of it. And I guess this gets started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you the hardest.